Welcome to this week's episode of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And I am Steve. And, and I, Steve is super excited Steve tonight. Steve is so excited. Um, we're going to kind of jump right into this episode because I think that we have a lot to cover and we only have an hour. But before we do, two things, three things. Number one, um, I am feeling a bit under the weather as the day goes on. So I apologize if I sniffle or cough or whatever. I don't mean to offend your eardrums. Number two, uh, we are going on vacation, not this week, but next week to Maine and have some really cool things scheduled. Um, so we have some, I'm very excited about upcoming episodes. So really, really, really during the month of October, you want to tune in because we have some really cool stuff coming up. Okay. We don't usually say what we're going to talk about. I'm going to say one word here, Kim. No. Okay. What? Cryptids. Cryptids. Okay. So that, you that's, have to that's the only yeah, hint that's you're going that's to get out getting. of this one right here. Um, and number three, I want to give a shout out to uh, a couple of people. Um, we, so if you are if you are a regular listener, please which, send us an which email. Which there are people that's now regularly listening. That's to what us. I was going to say. Shout out to Amazing. Bill. I know, right? Shout out to Bill in Kentucky, and shout out to um, Anna in Florida. Florida. Um, if you are a regular listener, please shoot us an email. A lost hour at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram and let us know where you're listening from because we actually do um, kind of keep track of all that to make ourselves feel good. Yeah, and like Kim said, it, it's kind of interesting to us. If, if you do happen to email us, let us know what platform you're listening to us on because that's, oh, yeah. that's important for us to figure out some things here. And also let us know um, if you have any ideas for upcoming shows. Is there anything that you want us to talk about? Okay. This week, you don't get to pick. Yeah. This week we're talking about Odessa. Now, let me say dun, dun, dun. Okay, I'm gonna try to yeah, we had a we had a thing for that. Okay, I'm gonna try my best German pronunciation here. Pronunciation. I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna butcher it because I can barely speak English, <laughs> let alone I'm gonna try to speak some German here. It Odessa is the organization der Ehemlegen SS Angehurigen. That means the organization of former SS members. Okay. Thank you, Kim. That was some awesome Deutsch sprechen. That was off sprechen <laughs> some Deutsch right there from me. So okay. this week is a transition week, right? Well, we are kind of getting away from conspiracy theories, but kind of yeah. not. It, it's, it, it's hard for me to label Odessa as a conspiracy theory. I mean, it was originally, I think... And we'll get into this later in the show as we summarize this. But I think people wanted to make it a conspiracy theory because they wanted it hidden for a lot of reasons. But as more and more evidence has come up, I think it's turned out to be true in a partial sense. Maybe not in the way that we thought it was, but the speculation is... That's the way the history goes, though, right? Like, history is... I feel like history is of things like that where people don't want anything known and then over time as generations die out it becomes known and then accepted as well, fact documents de- get declassified right. and things and things happen and you know it's it's hard to keep things a secret and so well, anyway mm. look the speculation is that Odessa was a secret organization created by the SS at the end of World War II to help Nazis escape justice through secret escape routes. And I mean, it's more than justice. Obviously, there was money involved and a lot of looted money and stuff like that. But here's what the controversy is. One, is Odessa real? If it was, who was in charge of Odessa? 
And it's not only who was in charge of it, but who aided Odessa. And who did they help um, escape or provide cover to? That, that's a question because, you know, Kim's going to, in a little bit, she's going to talk about Hitler. That's the most, one of the most famous ones because we don't have, in an hour, we don't have time to go into all the Nazis oh, that gosh, escaped there's here. there's so many. But the big one is, did any governments or official organizations aid or just look the other way? Now, we're going to be talking, Kim, we're going to be talking some big names here tonight of some Nazis who... Nazis are bad people, and we're not Absolutely. trying to lump Germans into this. No. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but, you know, the Nazis were bad people. But we're going to be mentioning, we're going to be talking about Hitler, the OSS, which was the forerunner to the Central Intelligence Agency. We're going to talk about the Catholic Church, the Red Cross, a guy named Simon Wiesenthal, who's a really interesting character, Juan Perón, who is a dictator. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Yeah. Okay. That one per own. Bad guy. Yep. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about a thing called Operation Paperclip. Rat lines. Mm. I like that. Rat lines. Heinrich Himmler and other people in terms as we go through. But Kemp, this is stuff that spy novels are made of. In fact, there have been a couple books and movies made about this one. Oh my gosh, I, there's so much stuff. Yeah, I, th- I think the most famous one is a uh, movie called The Odessa Files. This was a uh, 1972 movie by a guy named Frederick Forsyth. Now, when he made this movie, everyone just said, ah, I don't want to say it's Hollywood because I don't think it was made in Hollywood. I think it was made in Germany or in England or someplace like that. But it was like, ah, you know, this is just movie. But Mm. later interviews, kind of uh, old um, uh, Frederick kind of confirmed, like, no, he had some real evidence that this was going on. And uh, another one, Another really famous movie was called The Boys from Brazil by a guy named Ira Levin. And that would cover, that, that movie was basically about um, the doctor, doctor of death um, from Auschwitz. Josef Mengele. Mengele, yeah. Uh, also, if you want to get more in-depth into Josef Mengele, I highly, we listened to um, last podcast on the left. Uh, there, I, I think it was like a three-part series on Josef Mengele. It was really good. So if you want a little bit more on him, go check that out. Okay, so in 2000, so we're going to set it up first that this didn't happen by the people for whatever reason, trying to cover this up or deny it happened. So, so, so Odessa is not real, is where we're going right now. Yeah, I mean, okay. yeah. I, I want to throw it out right now. I think it was, but I'll Ooh. explain more in depth of how I think it happened. I don't think it was like how we may have pictured it. But I think Odessa was a real thing that was going on. I am intrigued. Yes. And that's why I'm so excited because I love this period of history. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Guy Walters wrote a book in 2009. And basically he says in this book that he couldn't find any evidence of all of the existence of Odessa, the, the Odessa network. Although there were numerous other organizations that were known helping the Nazis escape. One was called the Consul the Scharnhorst, the Sexgestern, Liebwache, Lustig, Bruder, and those those are just some organizations. And there was another organization called Die Spinne, which means the spider. And this was run by Hitler's commando, basically his like chief commando, a guy named Otto Skorzeny, who when Hitler needed something, when Mussolini needed rescued in Italy, Hitler sent Scorzini down there to rescue him. And Scorzini is also famous for organizing all the uh, behind-the-scenes 
or behind-the-line stuff during the Battle of the Bulge, sending Nazi commandos back to disrupt and blow up fuel dumps and stuff like that. So, I mean, he was a hardcore guy, Scorzini was. But um, even the German TV, ZDF, suggested that there was never a single worldwide secret organization, but several organizations, both overt and covert, that helped SS Nazi men. Okay, that's kind of leaning more to where I'm in into this, but I think it may have been a little bit deeper than that than just loosely, loosely organized. Mm. Yeah, because there were not. Um, I mean, I mean, there are still to this day Nazi hunters, right? Yeah, yeah. What well, they're getting old. Uh, well, yeah, because the Nazis the, are getting old. The Nazis would be. I mean, they would be well up in their nineties by now, but there are still. Um, Nazi officers that are unaccounted for, um, prison guards that are unaccounted for, men that really should be charged with serious war crimes that yeah. are unaccounted for. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I'm I'm of the opinion these crimes that they committed were so horrific. I don't care if the guy's 95 years old, hunt him down, and he needs to be imprisoned. Oh yeah, I I, I still firmly believe oh, that. Absolutely. You know, disagree with him you want to, but you know I'm a strong believer justice. And I think these guys need to be brought to justice. If nothing else, you know, not for their punishment, but for the world. Yes. Um, so I'm going to just jump in real quick and say that when I was in sixth grade, uh, many moons ago, they, one of our assignments, we have um, a synagogue in the local area, a fairly big synagogue. And my teacher, um, Mrs. Egemeyer, my favorite teacher, partnered with the synagogue and actually set us up, partnered us up uh, with a Holocaust survivor. And our job was to interview in sixth grade, interview this Holocaust survivor. And I still, the lady who I was very honored to interview, I don't remember her name, um, but I do remember her story. And it was, it was insane. Like she escaped with her siblings from a concentration camp in the middle of winter. And just, uh, it was, it blew my little sixth grade mind. And so absolutely, if if they are out there, they absolutely deserve to stand trial. Yeah. I, and again, it's, if nothing to punish them, but just so the world, it's it's documented, so the world knows, yeah. and any future bad people know, you will be, you you do crimes that's horrific. You will be hunted down. We don't care how old you are. And that's, I, I really feel strongly about this one. But okay, so there's a lady named, uh, Gita Serini, she wrote a book called um, Into That Darkness. And I'm going to read this because I think it's important we get this right. So I'm going to read. The prosecutor, okay, Ludwigsburg is where like the, uh, the Nazi prosecutors that were tracking all this down were. So the Odessa files, as they were trying to trace this down, were headquartered out of Ludwigsburg, Germany, which now, I happen this, to live there. Is this during the period of the Nuremberg trials or is this later? This is a little bit after. Okay. Okay. So, let me, let me quote directly from her book. The prosecutors at Ludwigsburg Central Authority for the investigation into Nazi crimes who knew precisely how the post-war lives of certain individuals now living in South America have been financed, have searched all their thousands of documents from beginning to end, but they are totally unable to authenticate Odessa. Not that all of this matters greatly. There is certainly, well, I'm out of her book now. And this is what the uh, the summary said. Not that all this matters greatly. There were certainly various kinds of Nazis aid or aid organizations after the war. 
and here's what's really kind of like to catch all with this. It would have been astonishing if there hadn't been any of these organizations happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just. So I wonder then if Odessa just was a term that was picked up. I mean, I wonder, did it exist? Do you know? Did it exist before 1972 or whatever I'm, it was? Oh, yeah. It, it, it existed. So, But then I'm wondering, like, if it just at some point just became a conglomeration of all of these things and just be sort of... Um, was just a catch-all for any organization that helped Nazis escape from well, the ramifications. Wal- of Walters crime. goes back and says Odessa was little more, little more than a catch-all used by former Nazis who wished to continue the fight. Now, some go. people, some people will argue this, and I've I've read this that if you wanted to keep an organization secret, why would you can't? Name it, the organization of former SS members. <laughs> you know what? I think possibly these people just could have been so arrogant. And I, th- yeah. they thought they were going to escape to start the third, the fourth, uh, the fourth, fourth Reich. Reich. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's really what was going on. So I kind of discount that. You know, I, I prefer to look at hard facts versus, well, if they did this, why would they do that? Because, mm. yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of dismiss that one. So if this was all so maybe there wouldn't be too much controversy because officially it isn't recognized by any real or official sources. But. Yeah. Th- that's exactly There's it. a big but, but in there. Simon Wiesenthal. Okay, let me, let me set up Simon, Simon Wiesenthal first. Simon Wiesenthal was a Holocaust survivor, and this man went through a lot. Um, basically, he survived the Janowska concentration camp late in 1941 to September 44. He was at Krakow. He, he survived that. He was at uh, Gross-Rosen concentration camp and the death march to Kimwitz and Buchenwald and, and, yeah, and some more stuff. So That's like a yeah. serious, I mean, okay. To, to put it mildly, I don't, Simon, Simon devoted his Simon entire life holding, holding, Nazis accountable, and he yeah, did it. he and is a tough man. To, some of the to even go through one of those things, like Krakow was bad, and the Buchenwald march was bad. But to go through both of them, yeah. this guy is serious. Yeah, I mean, and and later and later in life, he established the uh, Simon Wiesenthal Center, the Jewish Historical Documentation Documentation Center, and the Vienna Wiesenthal Institute for Holocaust Studies. So he went ahead. He went and he did a lot. Now, there is a little controversy about Simon because in his zeal and zest to prosecute and to do this, Simon made a lot of false claims that were well-documented, like stating that he was at places he wasn't and he didn't. Now, the things that I read to you just a minute ago or spoke to you a minute ago were true and documented, but he, he, he made a lot of false claim, probably trying to raise money for his organization all what he believed was a good cause because he needed the money to to trace down these Nazis. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well, yeah. But if, if you're going to do something, you probably need to be upfront oh, so yeah. people believe you. So oh, absolutely. He discredited himself a lot. And yeah. I've, I've, I've read a lot of things that a lot of people just kind of now because of this have kind of like, eh, yeah. I mean, I, there. I mean, I understand yeah. why he did it, but... Uh. But so... Simon Wiesenthal says that Himmler set up Odessa in 1944, and there is evidence that that happened. And he began as early as 1947, IDing routes and locating these routes, saying, "Hey, these 
I don't know if he termed rat lines, but he said, hey, people are escaping out. These bad Nazis are escaping out. of Bad Nazis, is that redundant? Uh, yeah, a little yeah, bit. Okay, I've so, never met a good Nazi. Yeah. And he observed that fugitives, that fugitives had little or no problem getting false papers, and they seemed to always have enough money to establish new lives. So, I mean, he's watching this from the outside. Simon I don't know. Wiesenthal Simon is. Wiesenthal is. And that's when he started doing all this work. And he became, you know, this world-famous Nazi hunter. But mm-hmm. we, Wiesenthal concluded that a secret organization with substantial resources had to be involved in helping get these fugitive Nazis out of Germany. Okay, that I really do believe. Because I don't think... I, there, there had to be an organization there to get these people out. Okay, so let me ask you... An organization or multiple organizations? I think it is very complicated on purpose. I think under the auspices of, big word, Kim, (laughs) of Odessa, there were many other organizations that helped. I mean, remember, we're going to talk here how the Catholic Church is said to have aided, Mm. how how the, um, uh, the Red Cross helped. And you know maybe the, the German government turned a blind eye, but we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. But Simon died in his sleep peacefully at age 96 in mm. uh, Vienna on 20 September 2005. Now, this secret meeting that he's referring to, on August 10th, 1944, the Germans knew that the war was going south, or at least a lot of them did. Now, mm. Hitler didn't like it, the defeatist attitudes and stuff like that, but th- these Germans... A, a, group of top German industrialists and bankers held a meeting at the Maison Rouge Hotel in Strasbourg, basically to come up with a plan to ensure their future uh, for the Nazis. I mean, they were worried oh, yeah. about... Yeah, they were Nazis worried... Nazis are nothing if not concerned about number one. Yeah, they, they were concerned about number one and establishing the Fourth Reich because they still want to get... Now, some of this came down for greed, and a lot of it exactly was... We're looking out for number one. They were worried about keeping the wealth that they had plundered and stolen during the war, which is billions and billions of dollars. Oh, and a yeah. lot of it is still unaccounted for. You know, I'm not making accusations or assumptions, but there's a lot of Swiss bank accounts. But you know what? A couple of years ago, a lot of these bank accounts were opened up to uh, get the families back money and stuff that was plundered. Yeah, from I don't know, though. I, I don't know a lot about it, but I... I I'm fascinated by these ideas of like the, the buried Nazi treasure, um, like hidden in there. Where's that movie about like there was, there's a, like a abandoned train station or something or like a tunnel that had all of this wealth. I treasure hunting is fast. Maybe we can cover that one time. Um, Just treasure hunters still go out and look for lost lost Nazi gold and lost stuff that... World War II and what happened after World War II is stuff that you you can't make this stuff up. There are so many fascinating stories and things that happened at the end of the war that, you know, you... It's absolutely truth is stranger than fiction. That's what I was looking for. Truth is stranger than fiction on this stuff. They were also worried that High-level Nazis would be ahead, held accountable for their war crimes. It, go figure. Which, <laughs> that happened, okay? So at the Nuremberg trials, the Nazis were. But they were very high-level Nazis, yeah. although there were other trials where other Nazis were held accountable. But, but a lot of so, Nazis used these rat lines, and they escaped. Who? Oh, okay, you say high-level Nazis. I'm 
I wonder how are th- are they like high high level? Are we talking like generals or are we talking like colonels? No, that are a high to mid level because I feel like those guys probably had a better chance of escaping. Is they tried sort of the higher mid like mid high as opposed no, no, to no. These were top like, of the top. Th- these were the top of the top. Because so many eyes are on them. I feel like you would have a better chance. That's why they couldn't escape. Yeah, I feel like you would have a much better chance if you were just some, like, random general as opposed to... Well, Mingala. Himmler or Mengele, who did make it out. Mengele made it out, but... Yeah, but we're we're talking the top-level Nazis that that were caught and held accountable. Many of them were um, uh, hung. Uh, Many of them... them Several of them committed suicide, didn't they? And Rudolf Hess which is another fascinating story, was held in the Spandau prison in Berlin for until he died. Good. Yeah. And that, that, that is a really, he's an interesting story in himself right there. But Odessa supposedly built, and I believe built these routes and organized contacts to help the Nazis escape. Now, certainly like at the big level, Odessa, but at, down at the lower level, there were other organizations. So I mean, I think you know, the Nazis did everything very, very complex. Oh, yeah. And I think Odessa is just like the big term with lots of organizations under. But I think it was an official. And the Nazis like doing secret things too. Like I mean, even the, it's I I was look at the Third Reich as like an onion with lots of different layers. Like you've got occultism. It's complicated. You've got occultism. You've got. Um, uh, pseudo-Christian beliefs, you've got, uh, you've got Nordic values. You, I mean, it's just, there's so, so much wrapped up in, in this Third Reich mentality. It's just, it's fascinating to me from a, a psychological and sociological perspective, just how convoluted Nazism and the, the belief in Nazism is. Yeah. So, but you know what the big thing was? Why Simon Wiesenthal, like, believed that there was an actual Odessa organization doing this? Why? Because Nazis began to vanish. That plain and simple. Nazis were vanishing. Like they were. They vanishing, were. They were dis- vanishing. 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 You know, they making their way to all parts of the world. South America is probably the most famous place. Mm-hmm. Uh, some did remain in Germany and took on new identities. I think that would be really hard. Yeah. Now, Germany is not that big of a place. Now, supposedly the spider network supplied false papers, passport, passports, uh, safe houses, and contacts that they could help smuggle. So basically, the, one of the main route lines was get people across the unpatrolled Swiss borders. Once into Switzerland, they, moved, they were moved quickly into Italy. What's, here's where the, Roman, or the, the Catholic Church comes in, through the monastery route. Catholic mm. priests, especially Franciscans, helped Odessa move fugitives from one monastery to the next until they reached Rome. Now, this isn't speculation. This is known. This this happened. Um, why? That's those are the big questions. Uh, so they they moved them through Rome, and basically Rome was a transit transit station for Nazis until arrangements were made for them to escape. To uh, to South America or just you know get the heck out of Italy. And I'm guessing now, I at the risk of offending some of our Catholic listeners, I don't mean this 
Catholic as in like individual Catholics. I mean, capital C Catholic church, like the Catholic church has a history of uh, taking bribes and taking money for turning a blind eye uh, back to the beginning of the Pope. Uh, and so I obviously I don't mean like the regular ordinary Catholic that goes to mass every week, but the capital C big Catholic church, um, I would venture to say that there somebody was greasing some skids along the, the monastery route. Yeah. I mean, there, there's reasons and we don't know why, but there were reasons why these people were helped to escape. Now there there's, we can make a lot of speculation why this happened. One, one story is that there was a rat line from Munich to Strasbourg that involved smuggling Nazis out of Germany on U.S. trucks that were carrying a Stars and Stripes newspaper. Now, why I find this one especially interesting, my favorite author is a guy called W.E.B. Griffin. Now, Griffin writes historical fiction, and in his book, he told of this tale. Basically, he put his characters into this real-life scenario. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was... It's historical fiction. Historical fiction. That's the but, thing. Like, but the what thing is, is it actually what's happened. real and what's fiction. Yeah, but this actually happened. He just happened to put his characters into it because okay. we don't know, you know who the actual characters were. Right. But it was, it was a fascinating book, and I loved it. I would go back and read it again. In fact, sometimes I do <laughs> read that book again. Um, it, look, it made a great story. So Smuggling out in a U.S. truck. How did that even work? Odessa. <laughs> These secret organizations. Okay, but how do, so the U.S. is involved too? We're the oh, good guys. Yeah. We're the good guys. Oh, we're going to get into that. Oh, no, we're not the that, good guys. That's why, this is why Odessa was probably denied that it even existed. Okay. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, you do. We're, you know mm, where we're going with this. I know where we're going with this. Okay, so Daniel Jeffries says that Mr. Forsyth, remember the guy that uh, wrote the Odessa Files, confirmed that in his novel based was based on reports of that secret meeting in France in August of 1944. This meeting, which was denied, has now been detailed in U.S. documents seen by independent by a, a, an organization or a paper called The Independent, which collected was collected by top-secret intelligence operations in a project called Safe Haven at the end of the war. So all this stuff that was denied now is coming to light that this stuff did actually happen. So now it's it's easier to believe that Odessa was there. It was organizing, even if it was a big coverall. Generations have passed and things are coming or, to light and because everybody's dying out, are it's dying. now safe to say. So or, Odessa basically, in which I tend to believe, was this big coverall which was coordinating a lot of these other... And there were definitely... Yeah as we watch our prison shows, there were definitely <laughs> shot callers by going this. And these were probably high-level Nazis, but not at the high level we were talking about, right. but just at the level that they had a lot of influence and power to still make, make things happen. Makes sense. Yeah. So info came up from a French spy that had infiltrated the Nazis and uh, backs up the 10 August meeting, which Simon Wiesenthal had reported about. So now, you know, there's... This official documentation, there's a French spy that has come forward and said that. And this all ties back to Edward Roshman, or he's called the Butcher of Riga, that he was meeting with high-ranking SS officers and industrialists 
that took place at that hotel, the Maison Rouge Hotel in Strasbourg in 1994, 1944, yeah, in 1944, to discuss ways of moving Nazi gold out of Germany in order to support, and France in order to support the Nazis. So, I mean, I have no doubt. I, I don't think this is conspiracy theory. Now it just gets into a, a story of spy of fascination of intrigue i I think we have moved out of the realm of conspiracy theory completely on this one Uh, i slightly disagree but why why so um well we'll when we get to hitler okay well hitler's another thing i'm talking let's talk okay fine that's the the conspiracy theory about Hitler, yeah, that's not the, being probably dead the biggest and, conspiracy. Yeah, theory. yeah, okay. I would say that's a conspiracy but, theory. But yeah, I mean, I I would agree that if it's if if it is if there's a paper trail, I mean, you can't really deny that Odessa was a real thing. If it's coming to light that there was a paper trail and we have the documented evidence, well, there's lots of independent sources that support this same story. I've heard tales about regular German soldiers who couldn't at the end of the war couldn't collect a pension, but that could collect a pension, but the SS soldiers couldn't. And the story goes that if a former SS soldier needed cash for a medical procedure or was down on his luck and needed cash, it would suddenly mysteriously appear, like, say, in an envelope in his mailbox. Can now, you tell I, a story? I, I, I tend to believe this because I do have a real-life story about this. And this actually happened to you. This actually happened to me. So my brother, I was stationed in Germany, and my brother flew over... To, uh, to visit me. He was in the army too, so he flew over and uh, he got in kind of late and this was in Ludwigsburg and um, he was hungry. So we went out to find a guest house to eat and we looked, most places were closed, but we found this one restaurant that was open and at first, you know, the host was like, um, I think they wanted our money. They said, okay, you know, we're full up here, but come on, we'll, we'll take you in. And they just assuming we were Americans and we couldn't figure out what was going on. I don't know why. But they took us down into the basement. Now, let me set the picture for this. There was a big table down there, maybe 20 feet long, with people all dressed in black. The ones that still had hair, you could tell it was, at one point, it was very light blonde, like your typical Aryan Nazi right here. Their eyes were blue, and they were sitting under this one table in this lonely basement with one like incandescent bulb shining down on it. So creepy. It, it, it's it's weird. I don't even have a yeah. word to describe this. It's it's just that Ugh. far out there. So and so they to me. took me and my brother over a little ways away from this table and put us at our own table. And we walked down there. And you know, as we were coming down the stairs, you could hear the talk. It was all in German, and I really wasn't. For me to understand German, I have to really be concentrated. If, if a mm-hmm. German is speaking in the background, it's chatter, but I can understand if I start to concentrate. Right. So they put us over there in this little table, and we ordered. And after a while, okay, so, so as we're coming down the stairs, the chatter just went, shoop, it stopped. It, it, it just stopped. Okay, so <laughs> like that kind of stop. Oh, my <laughs> okay. gosh. Yeah. Okay, but then, so then, okay, crickets, you can stop now. You got to push the button again. Okay, so we sat there, and then pretty soon they started talking again. So 
in my mind, and I, I believe this because I saw it with my, my own eyes, I believe this was a meeting of, okay, some people will say speculation, but there was a definitely a yeah. meeting going on down here of people of the right age who would have been in that position. And you, know, you could just look at these guys, and you can tell, like, you know, men of power, men of authority. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, they okay. have a, a certain carriage. They, they did. And this was what was going on down there in that basement that night. I And I always picture, because your brother is very... Um, I, I always tend to think of him as, as aware. So I imagine, I can just picture the look on his face. Like I can picture his eyes getting wide and like, oh, what did we just stumble into? So well, yeah, the, we both did. I mean, yeah, because it was I that can, surreal. I, and so I'm sure that they saw that as well. And they probably were like, oh, look, American tourists, they're not a threat, which is probably why they continued their conversation and didn't worry about you yeah, guys Yeah, because they probably thought that we couldn't speak any German. Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, and honestly... I didn't want to listen to what was going on. I mean, <laughs> curiosity Ignorance killed the cat. Is bliss. <laughs> yeah, but uh, whatever. So, where are we now with all this? Official sources deny the existence of Odessa, but we've heard that before. Oh, uh, this this didn't happen. We deny yeah, it's cover up. We've been no, talking about that yeah. for weeks. Why? Okay, so you, we we started talking about the why. So let's talk about Operation Paperclip, which is. A very real thing. A very real thing that happened. And part of that history is right here in Wright-Patterson Air Force Base Heck yes in Dayton, it is. Ohio. So basically, if you don't know, Operation Paperclip was where at the end of World War II, we knew the Cold War was going to be heating up. Mm-hmm. And we needed information that these top Nazi scientists had, and the Russians wanted this information because we're talking about missiles, we're talking about rockets, and things like that. So what Operation Paperclip was, was scientists were smuggled out of, the Germ- out of Germany at the end of World War II to keep knowledge out of Soviet hands. Now, Soviets were also doing the same thing. They were trying to get people to come over there, but we wanted them. And we had so, more money than the Soviets did. Uh, yeah, at that time we probably did. We still probably do. <laughs> pa- paperclip is a fact. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the f- most famous names we know about this is a guy named Werner von Braun, who was, he helped put Americans on the moon. He worked with NASA, the space race, and it was his knowledge of rockets. Now, at, at the end of all this, if in, at the end of World War II, if the American public known that we were bringing Nazis to the United States yeah. to help us. But, I mean, the space race was real. It was about beating the Soviets. And you have to go back in time when all this was happening. But, I mean, I guess you do what, you know, the United States did what they thought they had to be done. Yeah, there's that question. What's the means to an end? And what's okay and what's not okay? And it's yeah, people now, that whose pay grade is way above ours get to make that decision. Yeah, okay. But, you know, he... Werner von Braun and a lot of these guys lived at here, right at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Yep. Okay. Now it doesn't appear that the German government was taking any real action, except when forced to, like when they had no choice but to to do this, because people were escaping out of their country. There were border controls. People were escaping, and they knew it. So there was another guy at the end of this, and now here's. Here's where some of my speculation comes in, but I think I can reasonably put two plus two together and make some assumptions. Okay, so this stuff is a... Well, this part isn't. There was a guy 
named Reinhard Galen. He was the head of German Intelligence East at during World War II. Now, being head of German Intelligence East, he was focused on the Soviets during World War II. And it was reported that he did know about the plot to assassinate Hitler and possibly assisted or in in the German, in the Nazi terms, was guilty of complicity because he didn't do anything. But for whatever reason, Reinhard Galen escaped the fallout of all this. So when you say the plot to assassinate Hitler, you are talking about um, Operation Valkyrie, right? Yep. Operation Valkyrie. Okay. Okay. Made famous by Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise made that one famous. But um, Reinhard Galen, so at the end of the war, because he had all these, his spy network already established spying on the Soviet unions, on the, on the Soviet unions, on the Soviet Union, he was recruited by the United States to run, to continue spying for the United States and spy on the Soviets because he had everything already in place with all this. The spy stuff, if you guys ever get a chance, go to the National Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. Some of the stuff that they were using in this time period is super cool. Okay, now, the the problem with Reinhard was we, we, we've talked about Nazis, okay? Yeah. Re, Reinhard hired some really bad people to do the work. Now, yeah, we, we talked is, about this. I mean, said the ends to the means. Is yeah. it worth it? Yeah. Do we, do we really believe that with all his connections that he had, like being one of the top spy people, he intelligence officers, dudes. yeah, do we really believe that he didn't know anything about, okay, this is where it's getting my speculation. Yeah. Okay. With, with, with the organization that he had, with the intelligence yeah. ring that he had, do we really think that he didn't know anything about Operation... He wasn't aware that Odessa wasn't existing. No, we don't really believe that. I, I, I don't believe that. I think he knew yeah. that stuff was going on. I'll, I'll say that the war, that there was a danger of war with the Soviets was very, very real at that time. And the governments, the United States, the Germans, the British, everybody did some pretty controversial things to try to prevent war. Now, that you'll have to balance on your own. Was it worth it? Was it it worth hiring some pretty shady Nazis to prevent prevent thousands of deaths? Thousands of deaths and do that. Now, I know at the beginning I made a pretty strong statement that these people needed prosecuted, but again, I I, got to kind of contradict myself there. Was it worth what happened to prevent nuclear war right. and, and save thousands of people. So I, I will have to backtrack a little bit right there. Um, did Galen allow some of his friends to escape for their services? Okay, so now we're getting to the why. Okay, so we we needed this information. We needed this stuff to happen. And so did Galen allow stuff to happen to further his means, which his means were for the good of Western society. Right. Okay. Mm. Um, I'm not judging, but what the United States did at that time to prevent war is, <sighs> it, it's pretty extraordinary what happened at this time. Yeah. And it was different times. It, it was. It's hard for us right now to picture this stuff happening. 
but you just think, you know, the world had been at war since like 1938, 1939. I... We ended with an atomic, two atomic bombs going off in Japan. I disagree with you on that point. You say it's hard for us to imagine. You, do you really not think that stuff like this is going on right now? Oh, I think it does. I mean, but how I think long has... When I say that, I think it's just easy for people to gloss over. Yeah. I mean, you've heard my thing... Like, We've been at war for 18 years. Yeah. You think that we're not working with high-level Taliban? I mean, at at this recording, the Taliban was getting ready to come to Camp David. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the I, more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, I'm all about we live too much in the present. I've read a lot of books. I've studied some stuff here. We we think about all the how nasty our politics are right now. Yeah. Okay, it's not much different except we don't have social media they didn't have social media yeah. back when lincoln was in charge there were some pretty it, it, yeah. it's almost could a parallel imagine, with what's going on if they're if they'd had facebook could you imagine if they had facebook during world war ii yeah <laughs> oh. okay well anyway the cia eventually terminated the galen organization but galen became um the first president of its successor, successor, which was basically, I don't even want to try to say that word. Well, yeah, I will. <laughs> Bundesnachrichtendienst, or, yeah, that's pretty close, or the, the Federal Intelligence Agency of West Germany. So, so the FBI of Germany? No, more like the CIA of oh, okay. West Germany. It wasn't criminal. It was about spying gotcha. and, and, and keeping track of stuff like that. Okay. So why didn't the Germans pursue Odessa? Were they just tired of the war? Was it because they had high-level friends there that they didn't want to prosecute? Possibly because of Galen's advisement. Was Galen advising these people like, hey, these people that you are thinking about prosecuting, they're doing some pretty sneaky, shady stuff for me that, yeah. that w I don't prosecute these people. I need them in place because yeah. they have friends that have friends. And if you start prosecuting... Nazi X, <sighs> Nazi Y is going to do what I need to do. Now, that is pure speculation on my part, and I guess that's how conspiracy yeah. theories get started. <laughs> but I think... Again, way above our pay grade. Yeah, but I think, to me, I think that is a very distinct possibility. I do know lots of money was involved, reportedly, in Swiss bank accounts. And money has never been a motivator for anything. No. Yeah, so, <laughs> like, okay, now... Hitler. Hitler. All right. So now, now this is where we kind of do get into the CTs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got some CTs here. All right. So I, uh, I'm going to go on record as saying that I don't believe that Hitler escaped. Okay. Um, and I'll, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So uh, this has been kind of a, um, a glorified thing as of fairly lately, there there was a, I think it was on the History Channel, um, a program called Hunting Hitler, where um, they had several, um, I don't know if they were like anthropologists or what, but they were basically kind of like Nazi hunters and they went to Argentina and followed leads and all this kind of stuff. And it was very highly rated. But let's backtrack a little bit. So... Allegedly, Hitler committed suicide in April on April 30th, 1945, at the end of the bunker. war in his bunker. But he killed his dog first to see if the pills would or the, uh, the poison Blondie. would work. Um, but interestingly enough, 
Do you know who was the first person to plant the seed, the, the Hitler escaped conspiracy theory seed? Do you know who's the first person to do it? Mm. Stalin. Joseph? Yeah, that guy. Okay. So about two weeks after Hitler um, supposedly committed suicide, uh, on orders from Stalin, his, um, there was a press conference where uh, it was alleged that Hitler escaped. And then in July, so that was in, in June, it was like June 9th or something, excuse me, something that um, Stalin said basically that Hitler escaped. And then at the Potsdam conference in July, Stalin flat out said that Hitler was living either in Spain or Argentina. Why would Stalin do that? We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, so now this is in 1945. By 1947, 51% of Americans thought Hitler was still alive. Okay. Now, I've seen the movie, the, the film clips, not the movie. Right. And stills. Hitler was in pretty bad Hitler, physical shape. And that's a big part of the reason why I don't think that um, this is accurate. It is pretty widely accepted that in the later years of his life that Hitler had Parkinson's along with a severe meth addict or addiction. So Hitler was a, a known drug addict um, who suffered from Parkinson's in addition to several other... His doctor other, was loading him up on cocktails all the time oh to keep gosh, him going. Oh my gosh, he was so... There are rumors that he was syphilitic, um, but the, uh, he... Hitler actually was not a very sexual man. Like he, so the the odds of him having syphilis are actually pretty low because he was not super sexually active and there's a lot of... Um, he was with his cousins. Uh, not, I mean... She committed suicide. Yeah, but, it, okay, so there, Hitler was into some weird stuff sexually, but he also was not very sexually active. So... The fact that he would have syphilis is probably not true. What people are thinking of as syphilitic was probably effects of Parkinson's and drugs. Okay. So I just want to clear up some rumors. All right. So um, 1947, 51% still thought um, Hitler was alive. However, in 19, even in 1945, the British um, started looking into Stalin's allegations that Hitler had escaped. In 1946, British agent Hugh Trevor Roper wrote the report um, that basically said, no, Hitler is dead. He committed suicide in his bunker. That was the official... Well, supposedly he committed suicide, and then he was taken outside and put in a shallow grave. Gasoline was poured over him and Eva, and they were lit on fire to, to cremate their bodies. That's the official story. So... In, on May 30th, 1946, skull fragments were recovered from that crater where Hitler was allegedly buried. Um, the left piece of a skull had gunshot damage, but then in 2009, that skull that some people had thought was Hitler's was found to be a woman under the age of 40. Now, so how do we know that was the same piece of skull? Well, the and it had been in the in the care of the Russians this whole time. So we don't know. But this is where some of the evidence, and I say that in air quotes, um, comes from that Hitler escaped Argentina. Now, 
That skull, though, is not what people are citing as the main evidence. That's what a lot of um, stories get wrong. The main evidence that Hitler died in his bunker in 1945 comes from a jawbone and dental bridges that were found in May of 1945 that have been absolutely confirmed to be uh, Adolf Hitler and Eva Braun's bones. And multiple eyewitness reports. That what, they committed suicide? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we have forensic evidence that that is the, those are their bones. They have been, they were taken in 1945. That's them. They died in Berlin in the bunker in 1945. Okay. So what's the conspiracy theory on this? Well, the conspiracy theories mostly come from a book called Grey Wolf, The Escape of Adolf Hitler. And the theory is that U-boats took Nazis and their loot to Argentina. Probably organized by Odessa. Probably. It took them to Argentina where they had bought safety from the Perones. You mentioned Juan Perón earlier. And Eva. And, and Evita. Evita. So, yeah. Um, that's the theory is that the Nazis bought safe passage and bought their way into Argentina. This theory put forth in Grey Wolf says that around 1954, Eva Braun finally got sick of him and left Hitler, moved to Patagonia with their daughter, Ursula. Well, how about that? Yeah. So did you know that, that Hitler and Eva had a daughter? I did not know that. There you go. Um, And then they allege that Hitler died in February 1962. So the theory is, is that Odessa helped them escape through rat lines. Yes. To Argentina. Now... Where there are there are so many books that however he escaped I mean I have read books that an airplane landed in in Berlin on the um, the Kuferstein Dom and loaded him up in Ava and flew them to like uh, the northern ports put them on the U-boat There's so read- many stories Bottom line is though First of all, Hitler was probably not... There's no way. There is no way that he would have lived to, what did I say, 1962? With the the Parkinson's that he had and the other issues, medical issues that he had. Well, he didn't look healthy enough to father a child. Yeah, there is no way that he would have lived to 1962. Except Mingala was down there. Mingala was down there. Mingala was down there. I... I'm saying that Hitler probably would not have even made the trip. He was in extremely poor health. Um, I don't think he would have survived the crossing, honestly. I, I, I think with his ego and with he was, I, I think to me, and we're talking all circumstantial. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think his ego would have allowed him to escape. He died in that bunker with Germany with his dream. Yeah. That's what I believe. Honestly. And we have, I mean, we have the jawbones. We have proof, <laughs> verified, substantiated proof. So why the lies? Why did Stalin say that he escaped um, and went to Argentina? Well, there's a lot of reasons there um, to sow discord. Well, there was discord among the Soviet leaders. So like the, this was just the world was in upheaval at the time, and it was a big jostle for power. Um, he wanted to make Juan Perón look bad uh, and make the the Western um, allied powers not trust, you know, well, South America. Well, I don't America think anybody and, trusted him anyway. Yeah. 
But so the, a lot of it was just undermining and, and just jostling for position, jostling Ooh, for power. Kind of like what was said to have happened during our last elections. Hmm. Just create controversy <sighs> and rumor and speculation, some truth, right. some not. But, I, I, I'm not even going in there because <laughs> I can't. I watch the news and I can't figure out what's true, what's yeah. not true, and we're not going to get political on any of this. But another reason why um, people think that uh, maybe there were the Soviets were lying and and spreading half truths and whole untruths and just you know um, they butchered the death scene. The Soviets who went in kind of batting cleanup, they they. Uh, stole Ava Braun's lingerie. They took trophies. They couldn't find, allegedly, they couldn't find the bodies. So the theory is that they just scooped up whatever mess they could find and presented it as these are the bodies of Hitler and Ava. Again, like, this I, think, is, I think we have to take in context what happened. Because... What was going on in Berlin at that time. Right. It was hectic. It was crazy. The soldiers that... Yeah, these weren't first-line forensic... yeah. They were. They did not want to go back to Stalin empty-handed. Like that's not something no. that you want to do. He sent them in to go find the bodies to go. And they brought back deal some with bodies. It, and they brought back some bodies. And of course, we didn't know what DNA was at time. Right. So a skull is a skull is a skull. Exactly. So why the lies? I mean, there's a lot of different. Except reasons. they could identify with teeth, dental records, and they did. And then later on in this century, they proved that, yes, those were Hitler's teeth. So. Huh. Wasn't he a vegetarian? Yeah. I think he was. He was. Yeah. So he probably didn't have any sharp teeth. <laughs> so there you go. So why, again, that was a great way to tie it up, by the way. Um, why, why the lies? The same reason that governments tell lies now. Just to The same reasons confused. that we've been talking about Power for the last, Power is knowledge. Like, yeah, the last <laughs> month. That's why why all the lies about everything is okay. because we, the little people, don't deserve to know anything. It's easier for us to just stay in the dark, right? I think there's reasons why they want to do that, whether I mean, right or wrong. I don't think it's like, <laughs> we're going to keep the little people in the dark. So we're going to say... It's a power play. It's a power play. I that's think, all it is, power yeah, play. I, I, I think in the... the world of spies and stuff like that, people sit around, they dream up these very convoluted plans to accomplish a goal. And, you know, you just can't go out. Like, you read about these things, like, during during the Cold War. They couldn't go out and just shoot the, the, the Soviet spy or the English spy. They would have to go out and devise some sort meet of... meet in the middle of a bridge at midnight. No, in the we're fog. talking about killing somebody. Like, so they would have uh, to go yeah. out and... And like devise some sort of secret pin that would make a gas that then they could stick a so needle through the back dumb. of a seat in the bus. I mean, yeah, it's so convoluted. They had over, you know, like you know, we we read about the stuff, <laughs> like just in, in Washington D.C. during the Cold War, how they would have to go out there and put like a secret chalk mark on the corner of a building to know that there was a drop at a secret drop place. It, I think they overcomplicate stuff. I don't like, want to know. Yeah, I don't know. As the little person, I don't want to know. Okay, so basically, you think that Hitler died in Berlin. Oh, I know a, that Hitler reported, died in Berlin. Yeah, as absolutely. Reported. Okay, you think that. I believe so, the evidence. Okay, so if, as I'm wrapping this up on the Odessa thing, here, here's what I tend to believe. 
and this is after reading many, many books, and in my mind, trying to put two plus two together and figuring things out. You can disagree with me. I don't care. That's fine. That's why, that's why we're doing this. We're just presenting some stuff out there during an hour. You've listened to us for about an hour here, but this is what I believe. I believe, tend to believe, that Odessa was not, or it was... A thing. A thing. And I believe there were some top Nazis who were basically the shot callers. Mm -hmm. And while there may have not been Odessa officially, I'm running you down this rat line from A to B to C to get you to South America. I think that there were top Nazis who were in charge of the money and the bank accounts and organizing stuff. And then there were many other little organizations underneath them that were doing their dirty work of, you know, how big was Odessa? It could have been two, three, four guys. I don't know. It could have been 50 guys. But the more I do know, the more people involved, the harder it is to keep a secret. Oh, but I, yeah. do, I do think there were some influential Nazis who had a dream of the Fourth Reich and for whatever reason were protecting their friends. Maybe they had these big aspiring goals that, you know, yeah. that, that the Nazi, the Fourth Reich would rise again and they would still take over the world. But I think it was... Sadly, there are still some of those people. Yeah, I think, uh, it, I think it was more of there's a lot of money involved and a lot of my friends, if I don't get them to South America, are going to hang. Or... A lot of my friends, if I don't get them to South America, are going to hang me. Or hang me. They're and, always looking out for number one. And I think, in my speculation, I think a lot of this could also be, like I said, that there was a lot of stuff going on at the end of the war with trying to prevent World War Three and spies and secret stuff going on. Yeah. And let's go back to what I said about Galen, that there were people that Galen needed to do work that I'm not going to help you unless you help my friend. And Galen said, you know what? I need your information more, so we'll let you this scratch guy, my back, I'll scratch I'll yours. scratch your back because yep. for the good of the world, I think this is what's going on. So I, <sighs> to me, I think that happened. I believe there was that 10 August meeting in Strasbourg that set this up, and like I just laid it out, I think this was all kept very loose and vague on purpose because it's hard to prosecute if you don't have a lot of, you know, Written documentation, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the intent of all this stuff was going on. But I do believe that a lot more was going on than was officially admitted to. And I'm kind of looking forward to the next couple years as more documents get declassified. and Interesting, that's for sure. Folks, I find this stuff absolutely fascinating. I'm excited. Kim? If you want to tell us how wrong we are, Write to us at a lost hour at gmail.com or if you want to be like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. A lost I think it was hour, amazing. <laughs> a lost hour at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, Google, all the things. Yep, we're out there. So write us, write email. Us, tell us where you are. Tell us where you are and tell us what platform you're listening to us on. Yep. All right. All right. So from the beautiful 13th Hour Studios in Beaver Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us.